Pastor Xavier Reese with a warning for the destructive power of sin. Do you hunger after God's word, after the things of God? You've got to feed the new man. Remember that, that Eskimo that was in the bar, and he was telling his other friend about his dog that always fight. The guy goes, well, who wins? He says, the one I feed the most. Which one are you feeding? You feeding the old man or the new man? Let me tell you, the one you feed, I'll beat you up, man. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. In sports, it's always a pleasure to see a well-executed play. But that success is cloaked with hours and hours of practice and submission to the words of the coach. And coming up, Pastor Xavier brings to light the importance of living for the Lord and His righteousness and not your own. More simple truths he draws from the book of Philippians. Let's listen. Philippians chapter 3, verse 8 through 11. The message is entitled, Man's or God's Righteousness. As he begins chapter 3, verse 1 and 3, he points out the righteousness of the Judaizers, which was the law. Verse 4 through 7, he points out his own righteousness before Christ, which was also the law. And then he points out the righteousness of Christ in verses 8 through 11. We want to focus our attention on Paul's settled conviction about the righteousness of Jesus Christ to be accepted by God, which is described in three ways. Let me read our text for us. Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is from faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. That I may know him in the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Paul's settled conviction about the righteousness of Jesus Christ to be accepted before God is described in three ways. First, in verse 8, Paul's deliberate choice is declared. Listen to him. Yet, indeed, I count all things lost. He has mentioned some things in the previous verses about his previous life apart from Christ, his religious life. And he counted those lost, but now he has the word all. Paul no longer saw his works as valuable, but was able to properly assess the inferiority of man's righteousness. That's only by the grace of God, people. When the light of the Holy Spirit comes to your life and you see yourself or who you really are and where you stand, you will shake. You will shudder before God. He says, and count them as rubbish that I might gain Christ. You see, he's able to assess it properly now. Listen to his words. Not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The law cannot make a person righteous, but only prove that he is unrighteous. The legal standing of sinful man is through faith in Jesus Christ. In Christ Jesus is the favorite phrase of Paul, describing his position as well as ours before God. And it's found some 27 times in the epistle to the Ephesians where it describes that we are seated with Him in the heavenly places. Now, 
You remember the Apostle Peter declared to those who were at Pentecost that the Father had delivered His Son by the determinate purpose and foreknowledge of God in Acts 2.23. It was the Father's plan from the beginning to send His Son. The Son was to be the propitiation for our sins, and not only for our sins alone, but for the whole world, 1 John 2.2 2 says. And the Holy Spirit was the other comforter, just like Jesus, that was going to be sent by the Father to continue the ministry of Jesus, to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment, John 16, 8-11 tells us. You see, the church was birthed at Pentecost by the coming of the Holy Spirit as the fulfillment of the Father's plan to impute the righteousness of Christ from God by faith. It was the Father's plan. Therefore, Paul was not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it was the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and to the Gentile. For therein was righteousness revealed from faith to faith. Quoting Habakkuk, the just shall live by faith. Romans 1, 16 and 17. No one can come to the Father, we are told, unless the Father draws him. John 5, 44. And he will do his part. And man will have to decide. Many call. Few chosen. Martin Luther said, He who would gain righteousness by faith and works is as the dog who runs along a stream with a piece of meat in his mouth. And deceived by the reflection of the meat in the water, opens his mouth to snap at it, and so loses both the meat and the reflection. A lot of bow wows in the church losing their piece of meat. Trying to mix the two together, faith and works, for righteousness. James says, if you have faith, you'll have works. But that's as a result of righteousness, evidence you're Christian. Two different perspectives, so let's not mix them. Often people desire only to add the person of Christ to their lives. As any other patron saint or religious leader or philosophy and belief. Rather than substituting his person for all that they do believe. Have you ever entered some of these places and they have Krishna, Buddha, and rosary, and horseshoe, and rabbit's foot, and everything else? <laughs> Wipe all that out. Christ, and Christ alone. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, the life, and no man come to the Father but by me, John fourteen six. People, he did not stutter. And he did not lie. Two dangers exist when people do not completely understand their position of faith in Christ. They may think that they may continue in a life of sin and in fact magnify God's grace as He forgives them over and over again in a life of sin. Or that they always point to their works of self-righteousness as their merit before God. Those are two extremes that can take place if you don't understand your position. The scriptures answer to both of them. First, Paul says, Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Perish the thought, God forbid. How should we who are dead to sin or have died to sin live any longer therein? Romans 6, 1 and 2. So we don't just go out to sin to magnify God's grace of how many can forgive us. No. That's a mockery. 
Grace is not a license of sin. To the second, in Romans 4, 2 through 3, he says, And if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what did the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted, there's that accounting term, imputed to him for righteousness. Now, I presume you know that Abraham was a golden calf that Paul had to wipe down in Romans before he could move on. <laughs> Once he was melted, that's it. Jew and Gentile were all guilty before God. They were on their faces. Other people think that the plan of God of salvation was only for good people. But it was for the rebellious in the sinful world. For when we still, we're still without strength, Paul says, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man one will die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, how much more? Having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but if we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Therefore, just as through one man, sin entered the world, and death through sin, and death spread to all men, because of all sin, he goes on to speak how Christ has made us all righteous. Romans 5, 6-12. He's done it. Paul's righteousness is defined by the person of Christ, his position in Christ, and the plan of God. But thirdly, we see Paul's determined purpose. It's described here. Verses 10 and 11. Notice first, Paul determined to experience a personal, intimate, ongoing relationship with Christ. Listen to these words. That I may know Him. The word know is gnosko this time. It means the taking in of knowledge to come to know, recognize, and understand. Here's the key. By experience. In the New Testament, it frequently indicates a relationship between a person knowing and the object known, resulting in value to the one who knows establishing a relationship. Someone may ask you, do you know John Travolta? Well, you know who he is, but you don't know him. There's a difference. The Apostle Paul is describing in these two verses imparted righteousness through a sanctified life as one yields to the Holy Spirit. Now we've seen imputed righteousness, what he's done for us. We have nothing to do with it. But now he's describing imparted righteousness. Now that he's done all that, we can write the checks out. There's funds in there. We're able to do it. The only thing we lack is the will, not the resources. Paul has already told them that he was a prisoner by appointment in chapter 1, verse 12, remember? He's also told them that for him to live was Christ and to die was gain in chapter 1, verse 21. He also told them that he had put on the mind of Christ and they should do the same thing in Philippians 2, 5, the mind of a servant. And he repeatedly told them, of his rejoicing for the gospel as well as for them, and that they should do the same, being evidence of life in the Spirit. He tells them that in chapter 1, verse 18, verse 26, 217, 31, and he'll tell them a whole bunch of other times in the rest of this chapter and in chapter 4. Notice, secondly, 
that Paul determined to experience the power of the risen life. This is the positive benefit. The power of the resurrection. So first to know Him, then the power of the resurrection. To know by personal experience the potential of the new life to be set free from sin nature and respond as a new creature. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, All things pass away, everything becomes new. A man's a new creature, all things pass away. That's the scripture I put on my dad's tombstone. So everybody's looking for their relative, comes by there, they get the gospel. To be experiencing the benefits of the new life, even as Paul describes them to the Ephesians in chapter 1, verse 15 through 20, understanding, illumination, wisdom, strength, might. To be completely aware that His divine power has given to you and myself everything pertaining to life and godliness. In 2 Peter 1, 3 through 4. God has equipped me for everything that will ever happen in my life. Okay, hear me out. And how I can respond. Godliness. There isn't a thing, there isn't a tragedy, there isn't a disappointment, whether it's under his direct control or whether he allows it by the evilness of another person that I cannot handle through him in a godly manner. I need to understand that because those difficult times will come. Betrayal will happen. Disappointment, count on it. But I can be like Christ by His grace. Thirdly, Paul determined to experience oneness with Jesus in the difficult times. This is the negative. Listen, to know the fellowship of His what? Sufferings. The word fellowship, koinonia, is a very rich word and it can be translated by any one English word. It means oneness, participation, commonness. It has the idea of reciprocal benefit with the motive to benefit the other person. He's already talked to him in chapter 2 about that. It is used for the Lord's communion table. It is used for the financial contributions of the saints. It is used the believer's interaction throughout the New Testament. The determined purpose to know the fellowship of Christ's sufferings is not teaching masochism or the practice of penitence by inflicting physical pain to oneself in order to merit one's worth before God as the Catholic Church taught for so many years. Sleeping on beds of nails and afflicting yourself. Martin Luther used to do that all the time. Trying to be worthy before God. Then he read Romans, read Galatians. He was free. It's all been done. What a dodo. Move on. It is determined and a determination to not live after the flesh, denying one's own self-will as a disciple of Christ. Did not Jesus say, if any man desire to come after me, let him deny himself, pick up his cross and follow me? In Luke 9.23, the word deny means to lose sight of yourself. That is our biggest problem. If we do not lose sight of ourselves, we will live for self. Remember the middle letter of the word sin, I. There's the problem. I must lose sight of myself. It is saying no to sin, causing the believer to suffer through the trials and tests. Let me tell you, every time you say no to sin, you experience suffering in the flesh. You know why? Because this flesh loves sin. Doctors already told you you have high cholesterol, and you're thinking of, mmm, hot fudge, mmm, banana splits. And, and, and it's painful to deny yourself, right? Listen to Peter, 1 Peter 4, 1 and 2. Therefore, 
Since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. This is the, the, the words of a soldier. Arm yourself with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin and living after sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his life and time in the flesh for the lust of the flesh, but the will of God. If you're going to live for the will of God, you're going to experience suffering and death every day in the flesh. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning fiery trials. Not just trials, fiery, real hot ones. Which are to try you as though some strange thing has happened to you. But rejoice in the extent that you partake Christ's sufferings. That when His glory is revealed, you may also be glad in exceeding joy. First Peter 4, 12 and 13. Let me tell you, life is difficult and hard. You might as well go through it with Christ. <laughs> it's like, if you've got to play football, put the stinking helmet on. You know what I mean? But see, suffering also includes physical persecution for living godly. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, Peter says, Blessed are you for the spirit of glory of God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed. But on your part, he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, Listen, how interesting. As a busybody in other man's people's matters. He includes being nosy along with the sin of murder, thieves, and evildoers. God sees it all the same. Yet, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. 1 Peter 4, 14-16. Yes, in all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, Paul tells Timothy. 2 Timothy 3.12 Why is Paul making a big deal about this? Because he was called to sufferings. Some of us are called to sufferings greater than others. But we're all called to the sufferings of Christ. As a matter of fact, Paul tells the Colossians in Colossians 1.24 Since Christ is no longer present in a physical body here and I am, they take it out on me. It's the way it is. But notice fourthly, here Paul determined this would result in being Christ-like in this life. Being conformed to his death. The word conform means to be fashioned and like in appearance. The believer is predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, Christ Jesus, Romans 8, 29 says. That's what we're predestined for. If you are not being conformed to his image, maybe you're not predestined. He said, what do you mean? Well, then get on with it. Don't straddle the fence. The believer will ultimately be conformed to Christ's glorified body. And I'll get to that at the end of the chapter in verse 21. The same root word is used in all these cases. Metamorphosis. It's taking place a day at a time. And it'll be finalized when we're just like him. You see, Paul is talking about an ongoing transformation of our spiritual lives, even as he declares in Romans 12, 1 and 2, conclusion of the whole matter. I beg you by the mercy of God that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to Him, which is your reasonable service. And don't be fashioned to this world system, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The word transform is metamorphosis there. To prove what is that good, acceptable, and the perfect will of God. That's the bottom line, people. You see, Paul expresses the concept of Christ's death and how it is to be modeled in us daily throughout the Scriptures. 
Read Romans 6, 2 Corinthians 4. Everything in verse 9 and 10 describes a person, listen, who is hungry for the things of God. Now, we all can identify with hunger, right? I mean, when you're hungry, you, you, oh, okay, you know, and you think of this, think of that. You know, do you hunger after God, God's Word, after the things of God? You've got to feed the new man. Remember that, that Eskimo that was in the bar, and he was telling his other friend about his dogs, his white and black dog that always fight. The guy goes, well, who wins? He says, that's easy, the one I feed the most. Which one are you feeding? You feeding the black one or the white one? You feeding the old man or the new man? Let me tell you, the one you feed, I'll eat you up, man. You can't blame nobody. You're feeding them. Fifth and last, look at verse 11. Paul determined he would one day take the ultimate step and be resurrected. If by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead... There is no doubt in Paul's mind that every believer will experience the resurrection. There's no doubt here. If by any means has no doubt, it's only his desire that will be the ultimate goal. The word from is ek. It means out from the dead. The daily obedience to die to the old man is the process that will lead me to the ultimate product. Of physical resurrection. No process, no product. It's that easy. The resurrection is the final gain to be in the presence of the Lord, to be just like Him. This is Paul's application for us in view of the righteousness of Christ lived out daily and finalized in His presence. Paul is describing. Nothing but the life of the Spirit. As he told the Galatians in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Crucified. Paul's determined purpose is described as personal. And the power of the Spirit beyond his own ability and waiting to be glorified. And so Paul has declared his settled conviction about the righteousness of Jesus Christ to be accepted by God in these three ways. Paul's deliberate choice has been declared. What is your choice of righteousness? Paul's desired righteousness has been defined. How do you define yours? Paul's determined purpose has been described. What is your determined purpose? To be more like yourself or more like Christ? The Chinese character for righteousness is most interesting. It is composed of two characters. The first, a lamb. The second, the pronoun me. Between me, the sinner, and God, the Holy One, there is interposed by faith the Lamb of God. By virtue of His sacrifice, He has received me on the grounds of faith and I have become righteous in His sight.
Pastor Xavier Reese, and a decision everyone will have to make, a decision that will direct your life for eternity. Today's message is available, as always, for only $4. The title to ask for is Man's or God's Righteousness. And by the way, this will also include everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. Once again, the title to ask for is Man's or God's Righteousness, or simply mention today's date. Make your request by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please be sure and include the call letters of this station somewhere in your correspondence. This information is helpful when we check on the impact of this outreach in your area. What does it take to be spiritually successful? Find out when you join Pastor Xavier Reese next time on Simple Truths. Hope to see you then. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com